Hello. Letting a few folks get on. We're going to have Bible time here in a little bit. We don't usually record it. Michael Kime and I are out. Just see Michael over there. Uh, out delivering cows in Tennessee. We're about to go through Chattanooga, Tennessee here, but uh, we wanted to get this Bible time online. Just give it a, just another second so some of our folks can get online. Alright, now we're going to pray and get started. Father, in Jesus' name, we just ask you to bless your word. We ask you to use it, Lord God. We ask you to touch the people, Lord, that hear this message. And Lord, I pray, Lord, that you would just give us a good time. Lord, we pray that your presence would come down in this vehicle even as we're driving. Help Michael to focus, Lord. Help us to stay on the road and protect us, Father. And I pray that your word would have power, Lord, and free course to accomplish that for which it is sent. We thank you for your word, Father. Lord, we're a little distracted here, but we just pray that this would be a blessing. In Jesus' name, amen. Welcome back to Bible time. We're in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, or chapter 3 and verse 7. Therefore, brethren, we were comforted over you in all our affliction and distress by your faith. Therefore, brethren, we were comforted over you in all our affliction and distress by your faith. Here's another therefore, and when you find therefore in the Bible, you want to see what it's there for, just like wherefore, in chapter 3, verse 1, where he says wherefore, therefore ties in all of the context, context. it's for this reason, <clears throat> it is for this reason that I say this, that's why he's saying therefore, therefore brethren, we were comforted over you in all our affliction, now they were comforted, <clears throat> bear with us, they were comforted over you, and he said, in all our affliction and distress by your faith. They were comforted um, because of the faith, the charity, the good remembrance, the tribulation they'd gone through, the afflictions. All of this is tied back together. So there in verse 7, it reminds us of verse 6. And what we study back in verse 6, that when Timothy came again, he came with a mission accomplished, and he came and brought good tidings of your faith and charity. And we studied out how there in chapter 6, Timotheus came back with the good news of the faith of the people. They believed God's word. They trusted God's word. And we looked at faith in the Bible, faith in Hebrews 11, faith that moves mountains, faith that works, faith that's visible. We looked at the fact that there was a church to see. Now, if faith was purely metaphysical, if faith was purely spiritualistic and had no effect on your life, then Timothy would not have found a church in Thessalonica. There would have been nothing for him to see that would have brought any kind of comfort to the Apostle Paul and to Silvanus. Instead, we found that he found a visible faith. He found an unshaken faith. He found a living faith. He found a preaching faith. He found a Bible-loving faith. He found a Bible-obeying faith. He found people... And here we've got retrying. We're, uh, if the connection time's out, we're just going to keep rolling and it'll be recorded and we'll get it up. We'll just do the best we can do. But he found a living faith. We looked in James where it says, faith without works is dead. This modern American faith that we see today is not biblical faith. It has right. nothing to do with faith. We just dropped off a cow back here and they had a Santa Claus um, picture time. What they call that? Uh, they take so, pictures. Taking pictures. Taking pictures with Santa Claus. 
And a lot of people in America believe in God like they believe in Santa Claus. They have a Santa Claus faith in God. He's just some kind of jolly rancher sitting around somewhere that they, we can give him our Christmas list and we can expect God to do good things for us, to help us out, to uh, fix my car, get me through this rough time, give me a new boat, give me a prettier wife. Um, just do what I want to do, God. Help me out. Send your little elf angels down here. Um, drive back the bad green Grinch devil that's yeah. just kind of bothering me and taking my toys away. And just help me to live a fun life, a good life, my best life now. And that's the kind of faith people have. But Timothy found a faith that stood in the face of afflictions. Amen. A faith that stood in the face of tribulations. It says there in verse 4, For verily when we were with you, we told you before that we should suffer tribulation even as it came to pass and ye know and we studied that out how that the church will go through tribulation all this stuff about the church is going through tribulation is just a salve for people's consciences who do not follow Christ and keep his commandments because if you love God and follow God and obey God you will suffer persecution that's what the Bible says and so you are, if you are in the church, if you are part of the true church, you are in the tribulation of the church right now. There's another tribulation coming. We covered that. That's called the time of Jacob's trouble. That's the seven-year tribulation that will apply to the Jews. And the church of Jesus Christ is going to be jerked out of here before that happens. And that's clear in Bible. But if you are part of the true church, you are going through tribulation. And that's part of that faith in works. Your faith working brings tribulation upon you had a man from Russia talk to Brother Michael not too long ago, grew up in Russia, and he said, uh, Brother Michael asked him, um, how was it over there? He said, and um, since the walls came down and communism has ended, um, has it been better? And he said, well, they say you can do whatever you want, but if you're a Christian, they mark you, and they follow you, and they fine you, and they do everything that they can to make your life miserable, and if you out and out proclaim Christ publicly, you're going to go to jail, because they're going to bring the law against you and they'll trump up charges whatever they've got to do they're going to get you off the streets so there is an example again of a country that now it's legal it used to be illegal in russia but now it's legal but is it legal If you really live for Christ in Russia, you will suffer persecution. If you really live for Christ in America, you shall suffer persecution. The Bible says it. And Timothy found a living, vital faith, a visible faith, a walking, working faith, a following Jesus faith, a keeping commandments faith, when he came back to Thessalonica and he brought back these tidings. When, and we're not going to re-preach all that. It says um, there in the verse, they're charity. And charity is the practical outworking of love. Charity is love with boots on it. Charity isn't this sensual love. You can't confuse charity with, with sex, okay? In America, that's what everybody thinks love is. When people say God is love in America, they're thinking of Eros, the goddess of Greek love. They've got this idea of sensuality. They say God is love. He loves me just like I am. And he wants me to have a good time. And if I feel good and feel sensuality, then I know that I felt God because God is love. And I feel that. And that's not God. God's love is a selfless love. Greater love hath no man than this, but that a man should lay down his life for his friends. 
And that love of God that passes understanding, that love of God that constrained the Apostle Paul to face shipwreck and beating and peril and persecution, to warn men of their sin and of the coming judgment of God and cause the Son of God, Jesus Christ, to lay down His life on the cross of Calvary and cause the Father God who loved the world to send His Son to die for our sin, that faith with boots on it, that faith that lives it, that faith that follows Jesus, that faith that warns people that if you sin against an almighty God, you'll burn in the lake of fire, except ye repent. That faith with boots on it was in Thessalonica when Timothy got there. And this brought joy to the Apostle Paul. This brought great happiness to Paul and Silvanus back in Athens. (coughs) Excuse me. This is the faith and the charity. And then we looked at the good remembrance, how they remembered the Apostle Paul. They remembered what they'd been taught. This idea where people just get saved and disappear and never to be seen from again is not biblical salvation. True people who love the Lord Jesus Christ love the people who brought them the gospel. And here the young preacher boy, Timothy, got into town in Thessalonica, and those Jews didn't remember Timothy. Those Jews couldn't care about Timothy. They, they couldn't care less about old Timothy. That's how he got there. That's how he didn't get stoned. But that church at Thessalonica, they remembered Timothy. They remembered the preacher boy. And they brought him in and they had fellowship. They had love. They had faith. Charity, faith, and a good remembrance. Praise God. And these things brought the Apostle Paul and Silvanus great joy. And they they found out that that church at Thessalonica greatly desired to see them. That therefore is all brought into context here in verse 7. Therefore, brethren, we were comforted over you in all our affliction and our distress by your faith. Now, uh, we'll look a little more at the context when we get to affliction and distress. Let's look at that comfort for just a little while. They were comforted in three areas. There was, uh, we'll see three parts to that comfort. First of all, there was a source of their anguish. And we saw in our context, the source of their anguish was a forced separation. They wanted to be in Thessalonica, but they were forced to evacuate and to flee to another city. They were chased by the unbelieving Jews even to strange cities, persecuted in Berea, sent all 300 miles south before Paul finally got to slow down. Nearly 300 miles south. It takes nearly seven hours in a car. You have to take a circuitous route there in Greece to drive to Athens from Thessalonica is about um, six and a half, seven hours of drive time. And that's how far Paul had to walk on his feet before the Jews in Thessalonica stopped chasing that man for preaching the gospel. Hold on. God is good. I thought we already were in Tennessee. I don't know where we are now. Oh, we dropped into Georgia. Now we're back in Tennessee. How about that? (coughs) All right. So um, their comfort that they had, the source of their anguish was, as we saw, that their labor might be in vain. They were worried that this Thessalonican church had been ripped, that their that their foundation had been ripped out. They were worried that by some means the tempter having tempted them, they had fallen from their faith and their steadfastness. The source of their comfort was this deep love that they had for the church at Thessalonica, the source of their anguish, their deep love, and the fact that they only got to be there three weeks. And so that deep anguish, he says there, had um, caused them 
to send Timotheus all the way across Greece. I know we've talked about this before, but 300 miles to send a young preacher boy through enemy territory, 300 miles as a teenage preacher boy probably, yeah. wow. through enemy te- territory, persecuted territory, at risk of his life, and here he was sent, and the depth of their anguish is seen in the lengths they were willing to go through to try and find out what happened to this church at Thessalonica. We're not going to re-preach all those verses. If you missed them, I encourage you to go back there, study it out for yourself, go online, listen to the messages um, that were there. This was the depth of their anguish. When they could no longer forbear, they sent Timotheus. But the comfort that they got in their anguish, and this is what we want to focus on here um, for most of this, the comfort that they got, the comfort in their anguish came from the joy of Christian fellowship. From the joy of Christian fellowship. The comfort came, he said, in all our affliction and distress by your faith. Now this shows us the value and the treasure of Christian fellowship. I want you to think about Noah, who had only his family that got on the ark. Now that had to be heart-rending. Noah was a preacher of righteousness, and he preached the Bible for a hundred years. You say he didn't have a Bible. Hogwash. He did have the Bible. He didn't have as much as we have of it. But he had the Bible. He had the Word of God. You say it was passed down orally. I don't care if it was passed down orally or not. God said he would preserve his Word. And God's Word was preserved to Noah. And Noah had faith in God through God's Word. And that's the Bible. And Noah preached the Bible. (coughs) You'll go all the way back to Enoch. He was a preacher of righteousness. There were preachers before the flood. Preaching isn't a new thing. And Noah preached a hundred years, and at the end of a hundred years, his whole family, whatever living uncles and aunts he had left, all of his brothers and sisters, whatever grandparents he had left, stayed behind. They did not get on the ark. Not one brother, not one brother got on the ark with Noah. Not one sister got on the ark with Noah. You say, well, he might not have had them. Well, that's true, but look at the size of the families they had back then. Now, a lot of weeks we think a big family is 10, 12, 15. A family hits 20 kids and they make the headlines in the news. Some of these families could have had 80, 100 kids. And some of you are ready to shut it off right there. More power to you. Go read your Bible. Read what it says back in Genesis. Read what it talks about. Conservative estimates of world populations before the flood put it higher than it has ever been, including today. In the multiplied billions. I've seen graphs and mathematics that can show it over 20 billion people on the world when the flood came. Eight people got on the ark. Yeah. Eight people said, I believe God. Eight people said, we're going to risk our reputation and our lives and get on the ark. And what did they have to lose? If the flood didn't come, they were sitting in a provisioned ark. Right. <coughs> They'd look stupid and that's it. That's it. Move on with life. Eight people were willing to believe God enough to get on the ark. The rest of the world perished in the overthrow. But did you know it was worth it to Noah? It was worth it that he got on the ark. And it would have been worth it for Noah if his own sons and daughters had not gotten on the ark. If old Shem and Ham and Japheth and Canaan and the whole lot of them, which Canaan wasn't along yet, he came along later, wicked little brat that he turned into... But if that whole family, except Noah himself, if he had been the only one on the ark, it would have been worth it. Amen. 
It is worth it to serve Jesus. Amen. It is worth it to follow Jesus. It will be worth it all, the Bible says, when we see Jesus. But I want you to see the joy that the Apostle Paul had when he wasn't alone. When more people got on the ark, the Apostle Paul said, in our, we were comforted in our anguish. We were comforted in our affliction. We were comforted in our tribulation. Go to 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians, and I believe it's 11, verse 24. We're going to look at some of this affliction the Apostle Paul went through. And I want you to ask yourself, <coughs> would, this, would it be worth it to me to get to go to church for a day with a Christian if I had to go through this? You think about this. This is the love that Paul had for these people. And this is the comfort that Paul received whenever he got the good news of their faith and their charity and their good remembrance. And the fact that these people were pressing on for Christ. He said, my labor's not in vain. And he had joy. And again, think about this. It was en It's enough if the Apostle Paul got to go to heaven. It'd be worth it. Right. Now, the Apostle Paul had these people that had some evidence. They had faith. They had charity. They remembered the Apostle Paul. They loved him. They wanted, they desired to be with him as he desired to be with them. I don't hold to this stuff where you lead a person to Christ and then they never want to talk to you again. Yeah. <coughs> Somebody like that didn't get saved. Amen. You can't have somebody that brings you the gospel that saves your soul from an eternal lake of fire and then you don't want to talk to them the next day. Yeah. You're lost if that's your condition. You cannot be the, recept the receiver of the good news of the gospel and then hate the person that brought you the gospel. It's absolutely impossible. Now, let's look at some of these things. Here in verse 24. Of the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes, save one. That's 39 stripes. Five times he had his back laid bare. And Paul says to the Thessalonican church, I was comforted in all my affliction concerning your faith. I was comforted in my affliction. He's saying, whenever my back aches from the stripes, I think of you. When my back hurts because it's permanently deformed from my beatings, and I, and I struggle to get out of bed in the morning because I hurt all over, because I was stoned to death, said Paul right here. He says, thrice I was beaten with rods. I don't know a man alive in this area that's been beaten with rods. And maybe somebody out there has. Maybe somebody listening to this podcast gets a hold of it in a country where he's not supposed to have it. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know who might get a hold of this thing. We just stick it out there on the web. <coughs> maybe somebody will get a hold of this thing that's been beaten with rods. Paul said, I've been beaten with rods three times. But to the Thessalonican church, he said, I was comforted. I was comforted in my afflictions. I was comforted um, in all the anguish, in my distresses. I was comforted, though I've been through this. He says of the Jews, five times received I forty stripes, save one. Thrice was I beaten with rods. Once was I stoned. I've never been stoned, much less to death. Paul was stoned to death. And he says it was worth it. Amen. He didn't say it was worth it because I'm going to see Jesus, though. He said it was worth it because you're continuing in the faith. It was worth it because I, Timothy told me about your charity. Timothy told me about your faith. 
Timothy told me that you still love us. Timothy told me you haven't forgotten the gospel. Timothy told me there's a little church up there. And because there's a little church, it's worth it that I got stoned. It's worth it that I got beat. It's worth it that I got stripes. He said, I've beaten with rods. I was stoned. I suffered shipwreck. A night and a day have I been in the deep. I know a man who did that for drugs. He was running drugs between Florida and Cuba. And he was running in this boat in the drugs. And one day a wave hit his boat and it sunk it right under his feet. He didn't have time to do nothing. One of those guys grabbed a life vest. If I remember the story night right. This man's testimony is out there. You can go hear it. He promised God a night and a day in the deep. He promised God, I'll get saved when I get out. Guess what he did when he got out? Right back to his drugs. It wasn't until later, much later, but God did save him. And he's got a amazing story. Amazing story. Just an old pirate. Just an old pirate running illegal drugs, trying to get by the Coast Guard. And God sunk his boat. And he spent a night and a day in the deep for drugs. And he said, it ain't worth it. He had gold plated. He told me he flew in airplanes <coughs> with gold plated instruments. He had more money than he could throw at anything. He bought whatever he wanted. He went wherever he wanted, running drugs. And he said it wasn't worth it. But Paul said, I've been a night and a day in the deep. I've been beat five times. I've been beat with rods three times. I've been stoned to death and God brought me back from that. And he said, because there's a church in Thessalonica, it's worth it. Amen. It's worth it for the church. It's worth it for the people. Listen to me. You tell me you love Jesus and you don't love the church. I can worship God just as good in my home. I can worship God just as good in the woods. You are a liar. If you say you love God who you can't see and you love not your brother who you can see, God says, you're a liar. Paul says, I was beat. I was stoned. I was shipwrecked. And it was worth it for the church. Amen. It was worth it for a few backwoods believers that the whole world looked over and doesn't think anything about meeting in a house somewhere under threat of persecution. It was worth it to be hungry. Look what he says here. Hallelujah. God loves the church. God's people love the church. And it's a comfort to God's people to get in the church. <coughs> he says here in verse 26... In journeyings often, in perils. He says, in journeyings often. He's never got a break. Now, some of y'all think, oh, if I could just travel. Yeah, right. You just travel more than your vacation, and you'll you'll figure out how fun it is. It becomes work just like anything else. Yeah. In journeyings often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils by mine own countrymen. Most of us wouldn't put up with these perils to make a good living. That's the truth. You say, oh, I would. Yeah, well, you won't even, most people won't even sign up for law enforcement. Oh, boy, traffic jam. Most people won't even sign up for law enforcement and risk their necks in that. Paul said, I'm going through all this risk for the gospel of Christ and for His church. And when I heard that you're continuing in the faith and in charity, he said, it comforted me, comforted me. In all my afflictions and my distress for your faith. He says here, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness 
and painfulness in watchings often. That weariness and painfulness. Men will quit a high-paying job because it hurts their knees. Right. He says it's worth it in the weariness, in the painfulness, in the watchings, long hours of praying. Often, he says, in hunger and thirst, I went without my food. I lost my dinner running from them. Maybe I lost my dinner praying for you because he says here in fastings often. He says, I've fasted for you and it's worth it. He said, it's worth it. And he listen to me. This is what I want you to get today. Today, and this is what I want to get. I want God to get this into my heart. He's saying, and it's worth it because of you. Because of you. Amen. Not even because of Jesus. Now, we know it's worth it because of Jesus. It's worth it. When we see Jesus, it will all be worth it all. And that is absolutely true. But did you know he's saying just for you? It's worth it. It's worth it to go through everything we're going through for you. And I'm comforted, he said, because of your faith. I'm comforted in my afflictions, in my pains, in my hungers, in my thirst, in my fastings, often in cold and nakedness, beside those things that are without. And there we find that cold and nakedness. He told Timothy there in the book of Timothy, he says to him, I want you to bring my cloak that I left at Troas. He says, bring it up here. He says, winter's coming. He's cold. He's waiting on Timothy. Do that diligence to come before winter. He doesn't have all his stuff. And he's been journeying. And he's cold. And he's naked in the sense of being underclothed for the climate he's in. And he says, beside those things that are without, that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches. He says, I've got to put up with all the trouble too. You know, when you get around people, there's trouble. Yeah. Eat around people, there's fightings, there's backbiting, there's distress. Jesus said there'd be tears in the wheat. Somebody says, I'm not going to go up to that church, there's a bunch of hypocrites up there. Yeah, yeah, there are. He says, I'm going to go up to that church, there's a bunch of sin in that church. Yeah, there's sin. There's all kinds of crud that goes on in church, in good churches. Corinth was yeah. a good church. I hear preachers talk about that wicked carnal, carnal Corinth. Listen to me. I don't know a church in America that can measure up to Corinth. Yeah. You read about what the Paul said about how they came behind in none of the gifts. None of the gifts. Corinth was a good church. Corinth was a Bible-believing church. Corinth was a church that was trying to serve God. And they had issues. But listen to me, we've all got issues. Right. We've all got our issues. There are issues in church. And Paul said, I'm distressed because of what cometh upon me in the churches. He wrote that to the church at Corinth. He said, all this junk I've got to deal with. All these bad things I've got to deal with. All these hard times that come upon me. The backbiting, the gossip, the infighting, the strife, the the malignity and whispering, the jockeying for position, trying to one-up each other, trying to get position, trying to get prestige, uh, all the fighting and everything that goes on and then the sins that happen and the heartbreak that happens when you pour your life into somebody and then you watch them walk out the doors never to come back. They said you were the best pastor. They said that they loved you. They said they'd looked all over the country to find a church like your church. They said, this is the best church I've ever found. They said, wow, this is really it. We finally found a New Testament church. And then six months later, they're out the back door because something stupid happened. And Paul says, the care of the churches is on me. Beside the beatings... The way he says it, he implies it's worse to have to deal with the junk at church than the beatings. Yeah. <coughs> he says, beside 
those things that are without, that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches, on top of being shipwrecked, I gotta deal with church trouble. Yeah. On top of being beat with rods and stoned to death, I gotta deal with church trouble. That's what he's saying there. Who is weak and I am not weak? Who is offended and I burn not? He said, I gotta deal with all of it. When the man leaves his wife, and she's got kids to raise. And he's got to try and comfort her. And deal with all the gossip in the church. And the people that are hating on the woman. Because she didn't treat her husband right. And the men that... And then all the people that don't even think about the woman. And they're just hating on the man. Yeah. And they want to stone the man. But they haven't got a second thought for the woman. And they're not helping the woman. And he's trying to deal with all these church problems and everything going on in the church. And in, in the implication, he almost makes it sound like he'd rather get shipwrecked. He'd rather spend another night and a day in the deep than a business meeting. Which yeah. you don't find in the Bible, by the way. Right. <coughs> so old Paul here says, Who is weak and I am not weak? Who is offended and I burn not? We'll go back to 1 Thessalonians. Hallelujah for the Word of God. Amen. It's a good. <laughs> That's Colossians. That's a good book. <coughs> First Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 7. Therefore, brethren, we were comforted over you in all our afflictions and distress. That was water, by the way. Somebody out there needs to know that. <laughs> that care of the churches. Therefore, brethren, we were comforted over you in all our affliction and distress by your faith. The ultimate thing that comforted him was their faith. They believed God. You can go back to 1 Thessalonians 2.13. It says, For this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because when ye received... The word which ye, the word of God which ye heard of us orally transmitted by the way. Yeah. yeah. That's Bible. When ye received the word of God which ye heard of us, ye received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth the word of God. Amen. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen as yet. Evidence. Faith is taking God at His word. It means saying, God, you said it. You gave legal binding testimony. You put your name on the line. And you put your honor on the line to condescend to speak to us low worms of human beings. And you put that honor on the line to speak to us. And when you did that, God, you expected me to believe it. And I believe it. And that's my evidence. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen as yet legal, binding evidence, even in a court of law. And God expects you to take His Word, His Bible, as evidence of the things that you have not seen. The things that you have not witnessed. He said, you can take my Word and believe it, and that's faith. And Paul commended the Thessalonican church. And you say, you've read that verse almost every every day that you've done this. Amen. That's got to be probably the cornerstone verse of the whole book of Thessalonians. Of all both of them, possibly. Because that's the secret. 
deeper than anything else. That's the secret of their success. They heard the word of God and they received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God. And they believed the word of God. That faith pleased God and that faith comforted the Apostle Paul. He was not comforted that they had adopted his system of church politics. Yeah. Oh, he could have said, you know, just like I told you all to do, you've got the diocese, you've got the bishops, you've got the cardinals. He could have said, oh, you've got your convention and your board meetings and your staff and you vote your pastor in. He said, his key could have said, oh, look, you've got your presbytery. Now you're really in it. You've got this thing figured out. And you've got this these overseers that boss the pastors around yeah. and tell them what they're supposed to say and what they can't say. Now you're on it. Paul didn't say a word about church polity. Amen. He didn't say a word about the size of the building, the color of the carpet. He didn't say a word about their faith promise giving and the plaques on their wall for how many missionaries they support or how many nations they sent missions to. He didn't say a word about their Bible school. He didn't say a word about their theological seminary. He didn't say a word about any of that stuff. He said, we're comforted over you in all our affliction and distress by your faith. Amen. Faith is where it is at, folks. Faith is where it all is. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he that pleaseth God, cometh to God, must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And here they were comforted in all our affliction and distress, in the fastings, in the, in the times of hunger, whenever they weren't fasting, and they just had to run out the back door before the mob got them and leave their soup on the pot over the fire and spend the night in the woods to try and save their lives. He says it's worth it. When they got beat, he says it's worth it. When they suffered shipwreck, he says it's worth it. And what did he say it was worth it about? He said it's worth it because of your faith. Not because you follow my teachings. I heard a man once say, oh, I love Jesus. I like the Bible, but boy, I can't stand Paul. Oh, my word. God have mercy on that man's lost and eternally damned soul. You can't hate Paul and not hate God. Paul spoke as it were the word of God. That's God's word, Paul said. You hate Paul, you hate God. He said, oh, I can't stand Paul. Paul says it's worth it anyway. I didn't go to try and get people to follow Paul. I got people to try and follow Jesus. Paul didn't preach his system. The man went on to tell me, (coughs) he said, without Paul there wouldn't be Christianity. He's wrong. He's dead wrong. Jesus Christ came to Paul as Saul on the road to Damascus. Saul was doing everything in his power to destroy Christianity. Saul of Tarshish had religion. Saul had theological seminary. Saul had Bible school and buildings and missions programs. Is not Moses read in the Sabbath in every synagogue? All over the world there were synagogues reading Moses. Saul had all of it, but he didn't have Christ. And one day Christ met Saul on the road to Damascus, and he knocked Saul clean off his donkey and landed him in the dirt. And Saul looked up and said, Lord, who art thou, Lord? And he said, Jesus Christ, whom thou persecutest. And Saul turned from Saul and religion to Jesus Christ and became a preacher of the faith, of the faith that he wants destroyed and he didn't care if people had all the trappings of religion he only cared if they had faith 
in the risen, resurrected Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the righteous who died for your sins and was buried and rose again the third day. And that faith is what Paul, the Apostle Paul, who once was called Saul, said it's worth it. We are comforted in all our affliction and in our distress for your faith. Do you have faith in God? Are you saved? Are you born again? Do you love the church of God? You say, oh, I have faith in God, but I can't stand church. You are a liar and the worst kind. Right. You are a liar. I've got more respect for a Satanist. And God does too. You say you love your brother who you can't see, who you can't, you don't love your brother who you can see, but you don't love God who you can see. You're a liar. Paul loved that church. You say, if I just found a true church, I'd love that church. Why don't you go start one so high and holy? Lord, have mercy on me. Listen, I love you today, and I'm trying to help you. Lord, help me not to get in the flesh. Let's just shut this thing down. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the comfort that we have in all afflictions and distress, for the faith of those that have been saved. Lord, it's worth it. Lord, it's worth it for one soul. It's worth it. And we just thank you, Lord, and praise you. You're worth it, Lord. A million times worth it. You're worth it for all of eternity, Lord. If nobody ever got saved, you'd be worth it. But then you let us, Lord God, have Christian fellowship. And Lord, that fellowship of tribulation, that fellowship of suffering and affliction, that fellowship of faith, that fellowship, Lord God, of standing. And we thank you for Christian fellowship and the joy and the comfort and the power of Christian fellowship that you've given us, Lord, as we stand in the faith. We thank you, Lord. I thank you for every believer, Lord, who believes you in truth. And I worship your holy name in Jesus' name. And for Christ's sake, amen. Well, praise the Lord. We'll let you all get back at it. God bless you.